Ask the Podcast Coach was recorded in front of a live chat room. Studio audience. Yeah. Uh, no, I guess it wouldn't be studio audience. <laughs> it wouldn't be. Uh, ask the Podcast Coach for September 3rd, 2016. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. It's Saturday morning. And this is where you get your podcast questions answered live. We call it Ask the Podcast Coach. We're here every Saturday at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time. Except for next week, by the way. We'll be taking a week off. I will be at MapCon, and Jim will be in Dreamland. Um, I'm going to sleep in yeah, next week, I there think. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, so just so everybody knows, before anybody tunes out, it's going to be because I have so many people like, oh, it's like my Saturday morning cartoons. I'm like, well, next week you got to find some new cartoons. Um, I thought about uh, it's it's one thing you can't do with Fire Talk, which is good because I hate them. Have you ever done that the the pre scheduled webinar? Mm-hmm. I, I just to me those drive me like why not just say click here to watch a pre recorded webinar when you go through all the hassle to make it look like it's a live webinar at eleven yeah. at eleven thirty at night. I'm like right. this isn't a no. It's like right. mm, that. I'm like is yeah, but. Uh, if you're uh, new to the show, down somewhere in the bottom right-hand corner-ish, there's a little picture of a camera, and you can click on that, and uh, we will hop on. We'll drag you in here. Well, not drag. That doesn't seem like the right verb. We will uh, we will help you in here, and you can get your uh, questions answered live. And uh, we do have an actual question that uh, was sent to us from the one and only Kim Slusher, seen here. Um, with her uh, son. In fact, she mentions that in this clip. So she's actually got, uh, let me set this. Here's Kim. Hi, Dave and Jim. This is Kim Slusher from the Distracted Life podcast. And I have two questions for you guys today. The first is that um, I'm looking to switch over my hosting from Weebly to HostGator. And I've noticed on HostGator's website that they have two different, well, they have several different hosting options. But one of the options is specifically a WordPress hosting, and it says it's like cloud architecture and and a lot faster. And then they have just their normal web hosting. And of course, the WordPress hosting that's faster is also a little bit more expensive and than the other option that I would be looking into. So I was just wanting your opinion on which one do I really need? Okay, so we're going to... As a podcaster. Okay, so we'll, we'll pause there. Um, I was amazed. I went over there. Talk about giving your audience too many options. Holy cow. Because there's shared hosting. There's virtual private hosting. There's a dedicated server. There's cloud hosting. And then there's WordPress hosting. And to me, I think the cloud hosting is cloud hosting if you're not going to use WordPress. Because that was the one I'm like, what is the difference between cloud hosting and and WordPress, that was kind of weird. So, isn't, uh, it, isn't it all just in cloud hosting is a little bit of a weird name because yeah. it's yeah, all yeah. ways as opposed uh, to the other cloud host that's on your desktop. Yeah, it's they like, are totally taking advantage of people who don't know. But keep going. Yeah. So for me, I always just tell people the school of podcasting was on shared hosting, which is your cheapest plan for. I'm going to say probably somewhere between seven and eight years. And what that is, is that's where they take one server and they chop it up. I don't know how many 
I'm assuming hundreds of websites, maybe. I don't know if it's that. Uh, it depends. Many. It depends on the size of their servers and what the, their SLAs and and it, no two. My son works in this business, and ah. no two so no two servers are set up the same. They try to optimize it, right? And right. The, what they try to do is put as many as they can on a server to maximize its use. And they have probably some SLAs internally as well that says, hey, we're only going to let CPU usage go to a certain point before we stop loading the server. And so they're trying to optimize it because it's money, right? They, they, don't, they, they wouldn't set a number. They would say, we get a bunch of small – if I can get 50 small people on here paying 15 bucks a month, then that's better than 30. So if we can get 50 and get away with it, we will. So that's the shared hosting model. And what's an SLA? Service level agreement. Oh, so that's oftentimes that's the, the contractual right. agreement they have with the customer to say on uptime and some of those kinds of yeah. things. Yeah. And it also says you can only use so many resources. That's where when, pe- Correct. when people start doing self-hosting, that's where you get into to problems. I looked at the difference, the difference between regular hosting. And here's the thing. They all do this, Bluehost and Greenhost and Purplehost and all of them. <laughs> do this. They're like, it's only, you know, 13 cents a month. Well, that's if you buy, you know, 47 years in advance. Um, so when they're saying $3, $4, $5, that's usually for a $3 contract. So I looked at it per month. Regular shared hosting is $11 a month. WordPress hosting is 15 And if it makes it two times faster, I would go with a WordPress hosting um, because I know speed in theory, from what I hear, you know, Google likes a fast website and so since it's only four bucks a month, I'm like, I'll chip in another, you know, whatever that would be, a, a dollar a week uh, for a faster than that. But those two, either one, I think would be fine. When you get into, I mean, the reason I switched is because I had either A, a bunch of Russian hackers trying to attack my site, um, and it just was slow. It just, I, my page would just load. You would click there and watch it slowly load. And um, yeah, and Daniel in the chat room says uh, also probably makes the control panel nicer for managing WP sites. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm actually thinking, and this is one of those things where if it isn't broke, maybe I shouldn't fix it. I looked at my last, I used WP Engine, and they don't give you a whole lot with that. Besides, it's maximized for WordPress and blah, blah, blah. And I think it's supposed to be $29, but what they don't tell you is you only get so many visitors, and apparently they count everything as a visitor, which kind of drives me nuts. My last bill was 49 bucks. And it's like, yikes! yeah, and I was looking yeah. at it, it, uh, you know, because I'm a big HostGator fan. I've been using them for, for years. And uh, so, but that's, Jim, any thoughts on which ones you should go with? Or Well, if you're going to put money into anything, uh, hosting is where you, where you spend your money. Because I think it's the most important piece. It's your backbone. It's, it's where your stuff is. And the difference between... Average and really good in most cases is not that is not that much. You know, it's a it's a couple bucks or it's five bucks a month or whatever. I definitely would stay away, Dave, from the nickel and diming that's happening to you. I don't know if for for most podcasters, I think a flat rate ten to fifteen dollars a month. You know, we host over at Maple Grove Partners. They're flat ten. They understand WordPress better than anybody. They're optimized for WordPress security, which is important because WordPress is a pretty hackable platform that you just want to be careful with. And um, so much like, you know, if you're going to put any money into hardware, you buy an SSD. That's the solid state drives for your, you know, for your hard drive. That's the, the, you know, RAM and SSD are the most important things on your computer in the cloud. Uh, they also have optimized uh, hosting that where those their servers might be SSD. You might see that when you're buying it. And if they say that, that's the real deal. 
And that's super fast. So if you're going to put money into anything, don't put it into SoundCloud. Put it into your hosting. Yeah. And uh, and, and get super fast hosting. And, and you got to separate that web hosting from the media host, right? right? You got to do that as well. You can get yourself in trouble there. So, oh, but I, I put my money in hosting for sure. That's And that's what I do at Maple Grove Partners. And my money is in the hosting. And I have rock solid, very fast hosting. Yeah. Steven Jandru talks about EIG, which is kind of interesting because EIG has a lot of bad press. And what's interesting about it, people go, I don't know if I should go with Bluehost or HostGator. They're owned by the same company. I don't understand the whole EIG thing. That'd be like, I don't know, McDonald's owning Burger King. I'm like, why would you do that? But I've never, I've personally never had a problem with HostGator. Um, I know, I would say in the last year where you used to get a live chat in about three or four minutes, it's now five to 10, a little longer than it used to be. But which is always seems like an eternity when you when you're like, I need to talk to someone now. Five minutes is like forever. So she did have a second question. So let's uh, let's go ahead and listen to the rest of that. Then the other question I have is in my niche, which is Disney. I have an idea for a new podcast five days a week for five minutes, Monday through Friday very concise, and nobody in my niche seems to be doing that right now. And I know that the whole five-day-a-week thing is um, a, a big time commitment, and I was hoping to, like, batch it all. Like, maybe I could get a month's worth of recordings or two weeks' worth of recordings, get them loaded up, and create the content to be as evergreen as I possibly can, considering it's a theme park that's constantly changing attractions. I was just wanting your thoughts on how do you know if it's a good idea to start that second podcast idea? Because it seems like once we start a podcast, we have all these other ideas to go along with it. I would appreciate your responses and look forward to listening to them. And Dave, I am up on the wall behind you. So I always see myself. I think I'm over your left hand shoulder because it's on the right side of my screen. Me and my son, Evan. So. Thank you guys, Dave and Jim, for all that you do. And I am so happy to be up on the wall. Bye. I'm so happy that you're on the wall. And if you... Her, uh, her sound is great. By yeah, uh, it is. And That's yeah, if, if you'd like to be on the wall, just take a picture of yourself, take a selfie and uh, send it to Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com and you can be on the wall as well. It's huge, uh, my wall. And, and I'm making Mexico pay for it. Um, but anyway... You're making, me, you're making me pay for yeah. it. That would be the... <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's my wall and Jim's going to pay for it. So she has what everybody, every podcaster with one podcast has, which is, and now I want to start another one, five days a week. I, I would, number one, I would ask, I would try to find your focus group because she said nobody in my niche is doing it. There's either, that either means you're going to be the first or nobody wants it is how people do that in business. Sometimes they're like, if that product doesn't exist, it means either somebody's done some testing and they pulled out or B you're going to be the first. It's, so it's either really good or really bad. I would try to find a focus audience. I, I found a clip. I was going to try to find it on Clamor here on the iPad, but I've heard at least three or four people now who have done the daily show and it burns them out. They get super crispy. And then the guy on the talent show with um, the guy from Zen Shark Media, I cannot remember his name, Mark, I think, um, had a guy that did a daily show was kind of following for lack of a better phrase, the, uh, the John Lee Dumas kind of recipe, the daily show. And he said it was just killing him. 
he quit, went to a weekly show, and his downloads tripled because he said he wasn't doing a very good show every day. He was doing it because, well, it's I got to have something out. And he said he, it took him, you know, he stopped, started doing a show, you know, and really focusing on making a really one really good show as opposed to five. Meh. But I would definitely I, I liked your idea of having a bunch in the can because the fact that you do have a little one there, that means that, um, you know, life's going to happen. So, Jim, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, everything you said. Plus, um, I, I, I like the idea. I would maybe make five or ten of them to get a, the, uh, the feeling of what a week is going to be like. And then I, this is a, a perfect example of how to, uh, the right way to use SoundCloud. And that's load them out there and have your current audience listen to them and give you feedback on them. And just do that. Get, get, get that done first. Don't commit to an RSS feed. Don't commit to a site. Don't commit to any of that stuff yet. Just record them, edit them, get them out there, get people to get some feedback on them. Maybe your target audience, maybe drop one or two in your current feed. If that matches, I've done that before where I've created a test podcast and then I've run it down the regular podcast channel. So I get a cut, you know, I get my regular audience to listen to it and then I get some feedback from them on it. So it's just a great way of before you commit to anything, because like once you get that RSS feed in your iTunes, you feel like you own it. And so before you get to that spot, go two weeks, try it out, feel it, see how you feel. And then if it works, if it's a great success, you know, people are like, yeah, do more of this. If that's what they say, yeah, because the- do more if they if, you, if it's crickets. Yeah. Eh, is it worth the time? Yeah, because so. a daily show sounds like a great idea. And you, you can think of five easy ep- five easy episodes, you know, oh, I could talk about this, this, that, that, and that. And like, okay, what about the next week and the next week? That's the fun part. So uh, joining us from betterpodcasting.com, uh, the one and only Stargate Pioneer wanted to chime in. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. I actually had a question for you guys, but I'll chime in on, on Better Podcasting. I've, I've, I'm starting the SP's golden rule of golden rules of hobby podcasting, one of which is only do two shows. And that's weekly shows because you do more than that. You, you're just not going to have enough time to promote your show and, and do all the back end things. Now, recording the show, putting it out, no big deal. But if you want a holistic approach at the podcast, uh, two shows a week is probably within for hobby podcasters, those people with full time jobs anyway, or whatever, probably within the time rotation. But I do have a question for you guys, believe it or not. I okay. have a question. Can, can, can you hold that for two seconds? I got one yeah, more thing sure. to say on this topic, and then we'll jump into that. Uh, I try to do a daily show for, uh, I, I have Feeding My Faith. It's kind of, it's been on hiatus forever. And I would just do these quick little, let's read a Bible verse. Here's what it meant to me, blah, 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 in and out. And I would record them on Saturday. I would record five every Saturday and then spread them out Monday through Friday for the rest of the week. The problem is you got to have that big, you got to have like weeks in advance because even though it didn't take that long to record the episode because, hey, I didn't have to search for it. I had my I had a list of all these scriptures. It was just I just had to record it and publish it. But something happened on a Saturday. I couldn't do it. That wipes out a whole week's worth of work. So when you miss that one little time span of your batching, it's like it's catastrophic if you don't have weeks in advance. And then you got to be able to come back and catch up because you just lost a week. Even if you have a big you know, pile of of files to send, you still got to get caught up or you should. So that's, uh, I would just think about it. I like Jim's idea, test it, get some feedback. So, uh, okay. On to the one and only Stargate Pioneer. Thank you guys. So I had something pretty exciting happen in my pod sphere. One of my co-hosts is going pro. She uh, actually got a job narrating an audio book 
And this is new territory for me. And she's asking me some advice, stuff like that. And I'm wondering, guys, what are some of the specific things as you're turning from podcasting to voiceovers or audiobooks, narration, those sorts of things that you need to look out for? And, and one of the things that jumps to my mind, and I don't know the answer to is like with podcasting, you normally like compressing the sound. So it's normalized, whatever. But with narration, you want a more dynamic range. So I'm thinking that's something to t- take into account. What are some of the other things? And maybe you have uh, some ideas on the compression as well. For me, the the big thing that I just, when I hear audiobook, and I've talked to a couple people who have done this, when because you can get paid based on like what, like a percentage of the book, or you can get paid for a flat fee up front. And I would say for your first one, try to get one that's paid when the book sells or things like that, because it's going to be a lot, just like a podcast. It takes a lot more time than you think it's going to. And it's actually harder than you think. I actually, uh, I have a book called Get Your Band Out of the Basement, and I did an audio version for it. And I wrote the book, and I still had a hard time tripping over the words. And it was just kind of different, things like that. Uh, In terms of compression, boy, that's a great question. Um. For me, I guess I would send, I, I would set my normal compression and send it to whoever's going to uh, approve it. I'm assuming you have to send in some sort of demo reel and, you know, let them decide that would be my choice. But I, I don't know, Jim, any thoughts? Nothing on the compression. I think that depends on the company that's doing it and the quality and what they want. I would definitely consult a sound engineer because I think once you're getting into that realm of, of books, there's probably some standards there we're not aware of. I have done both voiceover work and podcasting at work. And when when the podcast, when my podcast started catching on at work, some folks said to me, oh, we'd love to have your voice in some voiceover. And so I sat in a studio. It's a totally different talent set. I'm not going to lie to you. Just because you can get on a podcast and talk doesn't mean you can read and read well with the right inflection. And I didn't realize that until I brought one of our pros in who does this all the time. And what was taking me like two hours to get through like 20 minutes worth of content, he did in like 20 minutes. (laughs) You know, he sat down, work. And by the way, he practiced which a lot of us podcasters who are one-take wonders think we can sit down with a sheet of paper we've never read before and read it for a recording, and that's just not true. You're going to need to practice it. You're going to need to practice the art of reading uh, for, with the voice and because there's inflections that need to go into it, and it's just not talking like we're doing right now. It is an actual skill and an actual art. So, you know, I kind of learned I'm not very good at voiceover stuff. That's not what I, I'm, I'm much better. Now I could probably get better if I practiced, but, but I think SP, there's a lot more to it than just sitting down and reading. And there's a lot of prep that goes in. And then there are people who have the, the, the right cadence for it and they just, their voice is set and great for it and you can follow it. And so I would, uh, my advice to anybody getting into this, into this work is practice, practice it a lot, make sure you know what you're doing and, uh, practice some work, have some people critique it, get better at it, come back to it. The first couple of times you won't be very good at it unless you're a natural, but I don't think most people are. Yeah. Uh, Steven and Randy are saying here in the chat room, along with Daniel, um, ACX, which is how a lot of people are doing this. I know Jeffrey over at the podcast fiend, um, which I was on his show. If you go to podcastfiend.com, it's live now, um, is trying to do some things through ACX, which is the audible kind of independent voiceover uh, program over there. 
Um, and I'm sure they've probably got some, uh, you know, different guidelines and things like that for what the audio has to say that. And then Steven is saying she's already been selected. So yeah. I would go with that. Um, and I guess for me, when I think about dynamics, I'll give you an example. I just listened to Sammy Hagar's biography and it was interesting because Sammy didn't read it, but they found somebody who sounded just like Sammy, which was kind of wild. And I don't expect him to sit there and go, well, it was a, a dark, quiet night. And then the bear jumped out. I don't expect big, loud noises. It was all like, man, there was this time and Eddie was drunk and blah, blah, blah. It was just a constant volume. So I think it depends to a certain extent on the story on how much dynamics you need. Because for me, I just want to be able to hear it when I'm in the car and I'm riding my bike and I just need a constant volume kind of thing. I don't really need a whole lot of dynamics. So I think you you say that, Dave, until you've listened to somebody who's a really bad reader. And it, 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 you know, trust me. We're not all good at this. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Well, it sounds yeah, like she's got I, the chops. I, I think you're more interested in the, the audio. And I would, I don't know, I yeah. guess I, I guess I'm just a fan of whatever I send in is what you're going to get. I would, I think I would send it in raw and uncompressed and as big as I possibly could. And I let the sound producers on the backside. That way you give them all the raw. I mean, it's, it's the biggest file and all the sound is there. And if they're going to compress it, they compress it on the back end. I guess that's the question. Does she hand it off to another producer or is, is this the final version? So I've started asking those questions and this is relatively new in the last couple of days. And it sounds to me like either she doesn't know or her final product is going to be the final product that is used. So in that case, there's going to have to be some, maybe I'll, what I'll get her to do is do both send in the raw file and then send in a produced file. Uh, I know she sent me her first raw recording, by the way, you're talking about reading talent and so on and so forth. There are times where she is reading the same phrase like six or seven different times before it gets to the point where, Oh yeah, this one will fit. And then she starts to move on. So it is not a strict, you know, 20 minutes of content, 20 minutes of reading. It's, it's more expanded than that. At least the, sample that I have heard. What I would do, I used to read a blog as a podcast and I would try to read it with voice inflection. And then all of a sudden I would add something like this and I'd be in the middle of this or, or the sentence would end. And I'm like, wait, I, I need more sentence so I can go back down. It was like, it was really weird at times. So I constantly had to, and that's where I learned the the lesson of when you do something that doesn't work, pause for 10 seconds and repeat it. So it's super easy to see the edit points. So, but okay. uh, Thanks, guys. Hey, what was the name of that podcast that you found with the guy that was reading his spam? Uh, Tim Page. I think it's just called I Read My Spam. Sweet. But Tim Page, he does the um, conversion. great idea, by the way. He does the conversion oh. cast. He works for um, Lead Pages. There we go. Yeah. Really nice guy. He's He did. He's If you ever get a chance to see a Tim Page presentation do it because he just always he's kind of like a pat flynn guy he always has tons of stats so being that we're all stat junkies because he has the back end stats of lead pages so he knows kind of what works he's all about building a list and things like that so sweet well thank you very much guys and uh, have a good rest of the podcast and enjoy your week off next week good to see sp not driving yeah (laughs) we'll not be doing that again (laughs) see you man thanks bye awesome yeah, the, I I know more and more people are getting interested in that. And and you're right. I've had some really good books that I cannot listen. Yeah, Tim uh, did the last three Jimmy Kimmels. He did uh, like these fake promos on Jimmy Kimmel. And that was uh, 
that was Tim Page in the background, which is weird because when you meet Tim, if you think that all voiceover guys, you know, have to sound like uh, Darth Vader or uh, what's that guy's name? Um, the the black actor. Um, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Yeah. And uh, you don't. Tim Page just has this average kind of, hey, coming up on, you know, kind of thing. And he rocks it. So one of the things I've noticed in my intro, because I do a consistent intro for both the Gallup podcast and for my own, you know, um, you, you know, I always say you found the average guy network and, you know, this is home gadget geeks. Well, you say that enough and you've practiced it so many times, you're really good at it in that you can even sound really good over the course of two or three paragraphs. If they're consistent content, you say all the time. And it's the it taught me the importance of practice. And so it's what you know. It's one of those kind of things. If you're going to go into a studio and do some recording, especially some voiceover work, get those get those practice things out before you go into the studio. Don't make the sound oh, engineer man. or the editor be your practice person. They will never ask you back. By the way, I haven't I haven't at Gallup I haven't been asked back to do voiceover <laughs> work. That first session, you know, because I too thought I went in thinking, oh, yeah, I got some voice talent. I can do this kind of thing. And I sat down and I hadn't. I hadn't read, they, even though they'd given me the material in advance, I got a little cocky with it. And I'll just read this. It's just reading, right? Well, no, it's not just reading. And if I were to do it all over again, I would have spent an hour or two practicing, make taking notes on things and really understanding the content. Because if you know it, you can go in and say it with confidence. And you don't have the, where you end, you know, the sentence is, has an inflection that's up and you're ending. I mean, try to edit that one and fix that in editing. And then they're like, oh, we'll come back into the studio. Well, that doesn't work because it's always a different feel no matter how much it's exactly the same. The the audio is different if you come back into the studio. So practice, practice, practice. Yeah, I got hired. I was doing a podcast about English for a while. And they were throwing in dangling participle and all sorts of bizarre words that I was – and I would have to go, how do you pronounce that again? And it was crazy. It was not uh, not my favorite podcast to record. I was very happy when they called up and said, yeah, we're not going to do it anymore. And I'm like, oh. Oh, darn, one of those jobs. Yeah. You're like, thank God. Hey, I wanted to uh, to share something. I got this from um, – and I, I I hate the fact that I cannot pronounce his last name. I could try it. Ra- I just know him as Ravi from Digital Access Pass. You can find his podcast at subscribeme.fm. Jai, Jaya Coppola? No, Jaya Gopal. Jaya Gopal. There we go. I know I could get it. Um, he was, we we're talking. There was a a, a group. I, I was in a Facebook group, and somebody did the old hey. Let's do a, you know, I'll, I'll review your show if you review mine. And I didn't go off on him. I go, guys, just for the record, it's not reviews. And I put a link to uh, Paul Culligan's over at the podcastreport.com where he said, I'm getting people to the top of New and Noteworthy with one episode. And it's all about subscribes. It's not that. And um, so Ravi said uh, he was on my show when I, or uh, it was on his show that I first heard the famous throwing up when New and Noteworthy was mentioned. But I didn't just blindly take his word for it. He says, I should have. I tested it. I've seen it proved in my own case and countless other people's shows. Getting ratings and reviews does not do crap for your show's ranking in iTunes, whether it's in New and Noteworthy or post-New and Noteworthy. My show literally lived in the top 10 on New and Noteworthy for the first eight weeks. And every time it went from, say, number 10 to number one, I would quickly go and check my stats. And I would see that I would have gotten just a handful of downloads that day. And when I say a handful, literally like one hand, as in able to count with five fingers, Doing Noteworthy is not a ranking. It's a hand-curated list that doesn't appear to have much rhyme or reason. 
and it brought me nothing more than a handful of extra downloads every time I shot up to as high as number two. I've seen on many occasions shows that are one to two years old appear on New and Noteworthy. I've seen shows with less than 10 reviews appear on New and Noteworthy and beat me out consistently uh, when I had nearly 30 reviews at the time. So New and Noteworthy is a complete waste of time, but I still post my show in threads like this with the hope of reaching that number one or number two new subscribers who may not have heard about my show otherwise. Uh, Got to grow your show one subscriber at a time. So, yeah. So it's just one of those things that, you know, people think that George Washington stood up when he crossed the Delaware. And if you talk to historians, they're like going, that's really probably didn't happen. But it, we saw it in a painting, so it has to be true. And this is just one of those things that's going to get circulated over and over and over because it's been said so many times that ratings and reviews, rating and reviews. And we're not saying that they don't count at all. I think they're somewhere in the mix somewhere, but it's just not the thing that's, you know. Yeah, I just. I just don't think it hurts to ask for them, and I don't yeah. think it hurts to to get the. I mean, the get honest reviews. Like, don't. Right. I mean, ask your listeners. Hey, put some honest reviews in there. Get some feedback. If you won't send me an email with the review, it's or if if you've got a great review, throw it on throw it in iTunes if you can. I don't think any of that stuff hurts, and it sure feels good when we get a good positive review in iTunes. That's a that's a good deal. Um. You know, uh, as far as as subscribers, I think it's great to remind your audience, hey, subscribe to me on iTunes and and have all kinds of great ways. I have a separate mobile page. So I bought Home Gadget Geeks. That's the name of my show. I bought HomeGadgetGeeks.com. I don't need it because everything's out of the network at TheAverageGuy.tv. But I turned that site into a very, very mobile-friendly, subscribe-only kind of site. So I tell my listeners... Go to HomeGadgetGeeks.com and there's big buttons. They don't have to go anywhere. It's on the front page. It's a totally dedicated mobile page for them. And it's got those big iTunes or Android, right, buttons that they could push so they can subscribe. And so I encourage my listeners all the time, go over there and subscribe to us. You know, get subscribed. You want to get that regular thing in there, right? As far as the rankings and all those pieces, if you're doing the right job, if you got great content, you got great promotion, you got people subscribing, all those things, that stuff will happen automatically for you. So I continue to tell people, do those things that would put you, whether you're going to make it there or not, whether I get, I'm getting kind of tired of this whole trying to figure out the iTunes algorithm and what counts and what doesn't. Right. And I kind of say, who cares? Do those things that are required to get you there because they're important. Right. Re- reaching out to your, your audience and connecting with them. Right. Having a great dialogue back and forth, creating great content, being regular, having you know all those things, all those success factors. If you do that and you get a little luck in this, because I still think, Dave, in the in the today's world of podcasting, you need a little bit of luck. You need someone Absolutely. to notice you or you need to show up somewhere or you need to. Now, luck only happens in the context of a whole bunch of hard work. So. The you do the whole bunch of hard work and you get a little bit lucky. I mean, there's going to be podcasters that are going to put a ton of effort into it and they're going to get 75 subscribers, right? It's just going to happen. Yeah, on you, know, the- you have to have influence. You have to have this social influence out there. And so it's not just about doing the hard work. It's a little bit about the work that you've done in the social spaces before you even start. Are you influential out there? How many, how many people really follow you on Twitter? What's your, what's your Facebook audience? Do you have the ability to attract a crowd? Not everybody does. Don't be disappointed if you don't. Yeah. If you love doing what you're if you love doing this podcasting stuff, just keep doing it. Just so, keep doing it. You gotta just keep doing the things that you love doing. And and if you get lucky, 
uh, you might get those big numbers. The the real question, I know you got to say something. Let me just say it real quick. <laughs> the real question is value. What what are your values when you go into podcasting? Because that will drive everything. Your values determine what your what success is for you. And so if you value uh, 10,000 or 20,000 or whatever, insert that number of listeners, you've got to do some certain things that if you just value good good content and a connection to your audience and 150 is okay, you do different things. And so what are your values? And and that should equal, you know, that will drive your success. So sorry. No, that's all right. I know uh, in the book Platform by Michael Hyatt, he talks about creating wow content. And on this week's episode of the School of Podcasting, I interview uh, Jennifer Briney from Congressional Dish, who is making a decent amount of cash, donation-based only. And she admitted 10,000 downloads. And she's just now starting to promote her show four years into it. So for four years, her her audience has basically been her her marketing strategy. And I know when I found that show, I was like, I'd be telling people, did you know, like right now, Jim, do you know that the the head of the CIA, I think it is, is being impeached? Huh. It's somebody. I'm pretty sure that was it. Um, and she just goes, she reads all the, the bills that are going through Congress. Mm. And when you hear about it, you're like, you know, and then you turn on the news. I, I make a joke about this, the fact that, you know, she's talking about these things that we really should be talking about because it affects us. And you turn on the news and it's, you know, Beyonce sneezed. And I'm like, really? Um, so that's an example of, of somebody who's just her content just itself. It's great dinner kind of party conversation. Did you know mm-hmm. that, you know, without like, it's not Republican. It's just like, Hey, here's what your yeah. representatives did. There's a, a guy, um, in, um, uh-huh. Missouri. That's just horrible. And, uh, so she's always talking to Rob going, you need to vote that guy out of there, man. Cause Rob Walsh lives in, uh, Missouri. <laughs> like his, his one vote will matter. Yeah. I've been listening to uh, a new podcast called shots of history, Ooh. which is, uh, a guy who actually came on um, on Monday nights. I hang out with Mike Murphy online. We he, Mike has a. It's called Ask Me Anything. No, yeah. Open Open no, Mic Night. Mike Murphy unplugged. Yeah, but but Monday nights he it's just Open Mic Night. He doesn't use anything. He doesn't produce like this content. We just get out there and chat, right? So, anyways, uh, he jumped in and um, and asked us some questions about starting a podcast. And he and then he did. He started a podcast and he's in season three of it already. And Seasons are about 12 episodes long, and he's covering these topics. And they are literally seven, five, six, seven minutes, very short, weekly. And he's covering the history of alcohol. And so he goes through Prohibition, oh, and he's wow. talking absinthe, and he's talking. Yeah, super interesting. Kind of that Mike Rowe, you know, kind of the Mike Rowe mm-hmm. con. You know, he's got the, and this is what, this is how I heard it, or whatever that right. his show is. I've been listening to that one, too. And um, really interesting. And he does his homework. And so, and then... So he breaks up the story in a way that when you get to the end, he could easily go go longer, but he stops it and says, and that's a shot of history. And and he's got some nice little sound. You know, he has a the sound of something taking a drink of a shot yeah. and then setting it on a punk. <laughs> Very creative. Yeah. And leaves me wanting more. Like he doesn't try to vomit everything he knows on me every single podcast. Right. You know, it's just a... Short, concise, well thought out, well done. I think he's reading it, uh, but he does a nice job doing it. So that's another, I mean, there's another success factor. And I don't know what his downloads are and who knows. That's the the uh, the beer review alcohol space is pretty crowded right now too. A lot of guys are doing that. But a good example of a weekly seven-minute well-produced 
does pretty well. And will it catch on? It, the question will be who will pick that up that has enough influence to push that forward and get them that viral right. lift that we're all looking for. And again, it goes back to if he's having fun with that. It's a great it. podcast. Shots of history. If you're if you're into that at all. Nice. Very, very well done. Um, I want to throw this at you because I know you've done this and I know I have, you know, being a musician, I've got experience with this. This is from uh, Alan Mead. It says, we're doing a live podcast on September 24th. And by live, I mean in front of an audience. Um, but the idea is to do our podcast. In this case, it's the dental hacks in front of an audience, which is to say we'll be doing our normal segment. So he basically wants to do his podcast in front of a group. The plan is to be sitting on a stage with headphones and the whole nine yards, letting the audience see how we do it. I'd like to be able to mix the show out to the PA while recording, ideally multiple tracks, but that may not be necessary for the show. Um, what would be the ideal setup to do something like this? We likely do, uh, we will likely be doing plenty of these. So I, it might be okay investing in some decent gear to, to do it live. And I, to me, I just was like, I, this is, this came from a Facebook group. So I was kind of like, I don't know what he has and things like that, but I mean, obviously you need a mixer if you're doing it live. And then I just told him, Hey, I use, you know, every Saturday I do, I jingle in the, I, in, you know, in the iPad and there are other tools for that. Um, I just like, I, my big thing about iJingle, I love the way it, it imports things from Dropbox. It makes it super easy to get things on, uh, on that. And then the one thing that people just need to do when they're doing live is keep the microphones behind the speakers. Otherwise you get lots of fun filled, uh, you're going to get a little echo sound anyways. Yeah. Live isn't great. Live's a terrible recording medium. Yeah, but you've done it's, this, right? Yeah. We've it's done it a lot. Yeah. And I don't I don't push it out via speakers to the audience. Hmm. Um, you know, if you're going to do that, just come off the main recording, you know, get get to the board, set it up like you like like you would a live setup, right? And then just come off of uh, it just depends on what the board is, but just take the live feed. Don't try and track this thing. <laughs> it will be awful. Like there is no need for tracks when you have multiple microphones because they're all bleeding into each other. And so they're all going to be screwed up anyway. So just come off the main, get one feed when you do it. Um, don't try to do sound effects and all the stuff you would normally do during a regular podcast live. It's just more complicated than you need. And the live audience doesn't care. Do all that stuff in post-production. When you get back, you can add in music and add in all those other things. That's kind of what we do. Although we add our music in here and that works out pretty well for you, Dave, but and I've heard that, but in a live setting, if this is your first time doing, it, I mean, I think we've done a hundred and whatever of these 40. things. This is one forty. Yeah. You've gotten pretty good at adding the sound effects in, but it wasn't good at first. No. Well, even just that. I just went to do that. That was way not loud enough. Wasn't loud enough. No, so right. I'd have to, so. There we go. So that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I always say a lot of people think live when you're done, it's done. And I'm like, well, not really because you got to spend all this time up front to make sure that when you hit a button – it's loud enough. And, and for and me, it's not going to sound great. This is the thing you think you're like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. And you get it back the file back and you're like, Oh, that doesn't sound very good. Cause in a live setting, people aren't cautious of being on the microphone in a consistent manner. They're all over the place with it. And you get all these varying sound, you know, as people yeah. are moving around or whatever, especially if you go into the audience, like, you know, you say you take a wireless mic out into the audience, you want to capture the questions and inevitably somebody raises their hand. And then you call on them and then they just start talking and you have to say, oh, wait a minute. We, we need to get a mic out to you. Yeah. And they never want to use the mic and they're not very good at it. Right. You know, and then you got to so repeat have, the question. No, it's a live is a mess. Yeah. Now, the, the, mean, it, the people that make it look easy again, 
we, we were talking about this last week, how people that are doing it well, make it look super easy. On occasion, I will tune into the morning zoo people here in Cleveland just to see how bad they are. And if you think about Howard Stern, there's another guy that the sound effects make me laugh many times more than Howard does. And in both cases, they have a dedicated guy that does nothing but play music and sound effects. Yep. So they're not yep. you're not having to do it all. So that would be the other thing. If you're going to have get a, get a producer, yeah. yeah, have somebody sitting there that's Who's that, not doing it. Yeah, that's all yeah. they got to do is you know. And then the the fun part of that is you have to have somebody funny if you're trying to make somebody laugh with sound effects they can go really crazy with you know just they're just better yeah less is better yeah. like that buzzer you know you can uh we could way overuse that or even that you know you've got that uh one uh from ryan k parker right that right. uh and no that could be overused yes yeah like it needs to be appropriate and at the right time and and that it, like if you did that like six times in 10 minutes like people would be okay dave like right. that that's we got it enough yeah right we, we get the point so less is better when it comes to sound effects even live less is better yeah, i mean you it, just cannot you know, i can't emphasize that enough otherwise you just start playing sound effects for no apparent reason stab yourself yep. in the face and die see and that just doesn't it gets old yeah exactly. and you're like uh what why so what jelly <laughs> and then I'm, yeah. I'm talking over jim yeah yeah well anyways <laughs> it's you're making a good point i'm though, doing it on purpose yes to make yeah, it look yeah. horrible you're like uh you know less is less is better yeah so but should be fun. Having a live audience is, is always kind of interesting. And um, that would be the, especially like you said, if, if people start asking questions, you're right. Nobody wants to use the mic. And then I was surprised when I listened back to my thing at Podcast Movement that I did not repeat the question. Usually I, I feel I'm pretty good at that. And because it was a smaller room, most people could hear the other person in the room. But I always try to, uh, I always try to repeat the question just for the recording. And I didn't. And it was so you would just hear me go, oh, yeah, exactly. And nobody heard at all what the person said. So and, and just remember, we're talking about this in a live setting in a live setup where you have a crowd full, you know, have a room full of people not broadcasting live your podcast live type deal like we do like we're doing right now. I think there's these those are two totally different scenarios when you have a crowd in front of you. It's a ton of fun. I you know, I do it. I don't. um I don't do it a lot where I broadcast it out to the crowd, but I do a lot where I take interviews live. So it'll be at a conference. I'll have a table in the expo area. We'll have lights set up and microphones and we're, we're doing live podcasting right during the, the conference and you hear the conference in the background. And I've had some great success with that. It's been, that's been something I've really enjoyed doing. We do not broadcast that out live because that creates a sound feedback loop. That's harder to get out. Hmm. And then Jim was frozen. Am I back? Yeah, you said uh, oh, you, you, you did. It creates a feedback loop. And the audio creates a feedback loop when you do it live. So you have to be really, really careful not to have your speakers too loud or to have the microphones in front of the speakers. Yeah, that would be, that gets crazy. Especially, it's like you say, it's like an echo. You know, so. Yeah, no, you get an echo for sure, and the in the room matters. The sound in the room matters. If you can come right off the board, you have better chances. Right. You know, putting you, you've done this before. You've put your uh, task cam or your your Zoom in front of a speaker. That's not that's not great. No, that's not a great way to do it. See if you can plug into the board and come right off the mains. That that will keep that room noise kind of to a minimum. Now, if you want the room noise, do it with the do it with the Zoom out in front of the speakers. 
I found another cool question. This is from um, Darwin. He does uh, dealing with mygrief.com. I have a question on Podfest. Um, he says there's a DC Podfest happening in Washington, DC in November. Uh, next week, by the way, if you're listening to this, if you're somewhere near the um, Philadelphia area, New Jersey, uh, I will be at Podcast Mid Atlantic and uh, go to podcastmidatlantic.com slash SOP to get uh, $10 off your ticket. It says, I was uh, thinking about going, but I have the following concern. As a podcaster with a very small niche and not really trying to monetize my podcast, I'm not sure if any sessions would apply to me. Uh, would I gain anything out of the experience other than networking with other podcasters? Not sure um, if this is a question for Saturday morning or not. And I'm like, of course it is. Uh, so um, for me, the thing I love about any event with podcasting is, A, I don't have to explain to people what a podcast is. There are people that are in the same boat that you are. Everybody's trying to grow their audience. We're trying to find content. And so it's kind of nice when you can be in the same room with a bunch of people that are, that know exactly what it's like to be you. Um, in the, uh, the interview that's coming out Monday, uh, Jen Briney talks about this. It is kind of lonely being a podcaster because nobody in your family knows, he said, hitting his microphone. Nobody knows what it's like to kind of do what you're doing. And to me, that's half the fun. It's like a big support group. And I don't know, maybe it's the teacher in me. I think you can always learn something from something. I mean, I've gone into sessions that I'm like, well, there's nothing else. I guess I'll go sit in here and you'll come off with something. You're like, Hmm, I never thought of it that way. So what do you yeah, think? Here, Jim? I, I agree. I, I think we have this billboard in, uh, when you're driving I-80 through Omaha, it says Omaha, oh, we're only as boring as you are. And it has this picture of a crowd, you know, a concert and everybody's rocking. And there's a little bit that with conferences, right? They're only as really as good as you're willing to work them. And there's always value in them, regardless of what the speakers are doing. And, you know, yes, the networking is important, but, but I think, uh, like you said, there's value even in some of those sessions. I, I've pulled weird bits of stuff out of a marketing one that I might apply to the way I, that, uh, that I do my you know, the way I, the, the format of my podcast, I might change that slightly based on some things I hear in a marketing podcast, by the way, just cause you're not making money doesn't mean you can't apply those same things to your own marketing that you're doing, right? Are you taking advantage of reaching the maximum number of listeners by, by putting this stuff correctly or most efficiently on Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and right. Some of those kinds of places, you don't have to get it to make money, but are you reaching the maximum number of people that you could be uh, to come listen to your podcast? So, you know, take out the money part. Okay, great. So you're doing it for a hobby and you're not, you're not trying to make money. Great. Okay. But you could, there's still some things you can apply. And it's, so, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, and especially with his topic, dealing with grief, how many people is he going to bump into that go, Oh man, I just lost so-and-so right. that, right. or they know somebody who, just lost somebody. It's like that would to me, cause you're, you're in a room of people that not only create podcasts, but probably listen to them as, as well. So. Yeah. And so it's, you know, again, you've got to work a conference. You got to go in with a plan and I don't know about you, but when I'm doing conferences, I download all the material about the conference in advance and I comb through the sessions and I try to highlight 
specific ones that I know I want to go to. And then there are just some sessions you're going to take a chance. There's going to be a bomb or two, Dave. I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get, I've even given a bomb or two when we've, I've spoken at conferences. I got done. I'm like, oh, that was terrible. I I wouldn't (laughs) come to my own session uh, type deal. But um, you, you, there may be some things you get in and you just sit down and, and you think, and I, I've been in a session one time where they said something in the very beginning and that sent me down a rabbit trail and the rest of it wasn't very helpful, but I got some work done based on that one idea of something they said right up front. And here's another thing you can watch for. You go in there and watch the presentation styles of all these different speakers. And there may be some things from a presentation standpoint you can pick up on that you're not currently doing now that you think, oh, I could be a better presenter if you're not, if I did this, I did this webcast this week for, for Gallup and the guy talked about Toastmasters and he convinced me at the end that I should be in a Toastmasters group. And I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, Hey, I'm a pretty good public speaker and I'm not afraid to get up in front of people. But as he walked through some of the disciplines at Toastmasters, and I know Kim's a part of that here in, in your community, I kind of thought, man, maybe I do need to do a Toastmasters group because you're never as good as you think you are, but you're better also than you give yourself credit for. And so that practice and those kinds of things are always important. Rainy Cantrell, I just believe, gave us our uh, our post-show topic. He, he wants to know what the content marketing strategy is for Gallup. Yeah. And, and I know we're getting short it. on time, but I wanted to talk about this before we get into that. On Spreaker, do you know how many apps have been downloaded from because I know you have an app on Spreaker. I do, yeah, and I get that from the uh, the, the iTunes Store is where I would get that from. Ah, interesting. When I go in there to see how many, how many of, and it's in my case, it's been hundreds. Yeah, that. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I don't. Promote, I don't have an exact number, though. I don't, I don't promote exact. the. I don't know how many total, but I get a thing from Lipson every month saying, "Here's how many people," and I'm putting up air quotes. Purchased your app because my app is free. And um, I got a thing here from Eric uh, Rosas says, "I noticed you have your own mobile app for podcast." How's the app helping your podcast? Would you recommend all podcasters get their own app or stick with posting on various podcast sites like iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud? And I got this email from Libsyn that says, here's your monthly sales report. In one month, I don't know where this came from, because normally it's like 30 or 40. I had 760 people download my app. So this is where I'm starting to think that podcasting is kind of experiencing a little more of a uh, a boom or something of that nature, because I was like, well, that's 760 people that downloaded at least one episode. So I responded to Eric. This actually came into my email and said, I think it depends on your audience. I think it doesn't hurt if you've got the budget for it, by all means, 10 bucks isn't going to kill you in a month. And uh, I, I think it's, I forget what it is. Is there a monthly charge at, at Spreaker? Is it just Spreaker, the one? No, it's 100 per platform, so okay. per year. Per year. So 200 bucks for both. Right. And so uh, to me, if you're audience is so not techie, but they know how to install an app by all means. That's to me, the target audience for me, I just did it cause I wanted to see what it was like. And, um, so I could yeah. talk about it, but I was amazed. I was like, so, I emailed him back. I'm like, are, are, is that like, are you sure on that? And they're like, yeah, it's, that's, that's the number. And I'm like, wow. So pretty cool. I, I, the, the best use we've seen out of the community is that when I go live on Spreaker, it goes live in the app. And so people don't have to go far to find me live. You know, if you want to listen to somebody live on your phone, unless it's like a fire talk or some of those kinds of things, and even that's difficult because you got to find it. 
uh, with the Home Gadget Geeks app. They just open the app, and if I'm live, it's right there. And if they've missed it, it's right there. <laughs> like, and they they can just get to it. So, on a Thursday night, if they miss the live one because they've been traveling or whatever, and they get they want to listen to it in the car, they can just stream it that way. Um, the iPhone app does not download, and I have asked Rob Greenlee several times. So, Rob, if you're listening to this, I I, I hit him twice in in a Slack, and he's never gotten back to me. I'd love to know when Spreaker is going to update that app to be able to download. It can download on Android, but it doesn't. It does not allow for downloads on iPhone. So, and and Spreaker has not. They're not pushing out a lot of updates for those apps that we're creating now. Not that they need to. Like, right. not that that needs to be updated for any reason. They work great, and I hear from my listeners all the time that they are when they're on the road, like in an airport. This is the best way to listen to the show is just to open up my app and catch the live version of it. So there's great value in it for me. Um in in on Spreaker, that's it's it's per show, so not per channel. Like I have the average guy.tv channel there that has home gadget geeks and home tech tips and um cyber frontiers and those kinds of things. And then per show you want your own app per show. So it's got one, one, uh, one in there and that's worked pretty well and it's coming up for renewal. And I'm kind of waiting to see if Spreaker's going to ping me on that. I haven't, I haven't gotten anything from him yet. Like, Hey, your hundred bucks is due again, you know? And so, uh, I haven't, I haven't heard from him and I know it's been a year. Well, I'm surprised last week, I think it was last week was the first week in a long time that we went live on Mixler and I just went through my email to see if I could get it was it was considerable numbers. It was like double digits people listening on Mixler. Really? And Are I, we live there today? We're live there today. And oh, it was okay, funny cool. because I realized at about three o'clock in the afternoon that I was still streaming to Mixler. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I should. You know, so everybody was listening to me. Hear you? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sure whatever, nice. you know, the en- enjoyed my Spotify sessions and everything else I was doing. Yikes. Yeah. So, well, that's one thing you got to remember. Yeah. Cut that stuff Because it's on right. my Mac, and right now my Mac isn't using one of my monitors, so I have to hit a button right. so I can see what my Mac is. I won't forget that again, but that was I was like, wow, that could have been interesting because my mic was on if I had taken phone calls or whatever. So, yeah. Um, Yikes. That's like a self-imposed privacy problem. Yeah, exactly. Just, just but, be careful there, yeah. But I know I uh, Stargate Pioneer in the chat room it says he always gets your notifications. I get your notifications via email that uh, the average guy.tv is live on Thursday nights. And I'm always like, Oh, I should go listen. And then it's like, Oh, but I've got to do this thing. I'll, and then I'll just listen later. So looks like, looks like Troy is uh, broadcasting live right now. So if you want to, they, they say it at golden spiral media.com slash live. There you go. Nice. But go look at that afterwards. We're still doing the show here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say we've got, we've got four minutes here. Um, speaking of that, you want me to, uh, you want me to quick go through the Gallup, uh, in can you, four minutes? Can you do, you that, do that in four minutes? Part? It's up to you. Uh, oh, it's very, very simple. When okay. we think about the marketing that we do. Yeah, no, no. Very, very simple. So when we think about our podcast and, and the way we're sending out the marketing, first of all, it's all crowdsourced and open source. So we don't charge for any of the stuff that I do from a podcast perspective. We have two different podcasts for our coaches. So again, our focus is our strengths coaching network that we have. So they, they focus on strengths finder, but they can be any kind of coach. We, we, we don't care. We do have a certification program they can go through. That's all paid for. They do classes and courses and they, you know, they're available all around the world. Think of John Maxwell or some of those other kinds of things where these, they have these coaching certifications. But the webcasts that we do are really designed to support. So we see them first as professional development. So we offer uh, advice and training and 
we ask other coaches advice and some of the things that we're doing. And I tell our coaches our, our videos are in audio because we take the video and just rip the audio out and make a podcast out of it. Why wouldn't you? We're video first, by the way, on those. So most of the time, most people, we get about a half, half, 50, 50, watch the video versus the audio. And so we just rip the audio out and make the podcast out of it. And, and the goal then is to point people back to all of our resources. So we say in, in all the podcasts, you know, get all this and more at the Gallup Strength Center, gallupstrengthcenter.com, uh, those kinds of things. And then we have a blog, our coach's blog, coaching.gallup.com has all the resources. It has our live page. It has our blog. It has a resources page. It's got a weekly schedule on it of all the things that are going on. We try to keep the community together. How do you keep a global audience, especially in this area of coaching, doing and saying the same things around the world? This is the way we do it. So we email them. When we send things out, we email them. We have a Facebook group that has like 6,500 people in it. That, uh, that, that we, Yeah, it's a big group. Uh, lit two big LinkedIn groups that have multiple thousands in them as well um, that I help manage. Um, Twitter. Uh, we have several Twitter accounts. We're gonna we're talking about coming up with our own Twitter bot, which will be interesting. So you would, if you want to know. So like Dave, do you remember what your number one strength was, Dave? When when your number your number one theme when we took Strengths Finder? Do you remember? No, I know. <laughs> Let's just say it's learner because you're you're a big learner. Probably, so it's, yeah. it's probably in there. So you could tweet at the <laughs> Strengths Bot and put the put the term learner in there, and then we'll have twenty five preloaded statements that'll tweet back to you something about your learner. So if you wanted to be reminded of what that theme meant or was, you could go on Twitter, you could tweet at the strength spot, it would send it back. So, so that strategy, while I don't have a, I'm seen as a cost center and not a revenue generator, we actually do generate revenue because folks sell codes. We, you know, people come off of our site and buy our strengths codes. People come off of our site and buy our books. People come off of our site and buy our courses. And so, you know, we do tens of thousands probably of dollars in revenue off of our webcast indirectly, uh, you know, through our various products. It's great and and support. Uh, But our real goal in that, our real strategy, and it's all word of mouth, by the way, we do no public. I don't put ads in paper. I don't do any commercials. We don't do, we've, we've bought in, in, in certain cases, we bought Twitter and Facebook ads, but very little. All of this is kind of word of mouth content marketing. We do a little bit of email marketing um, in there. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of how we do it. It's not, uh, not too complicated. Most of it though, Dave, is I have to be on all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say I'm, that's the fun part. Holy cow. Yeah. I can't imagine just managing a, uh, that's weird. Am I frozen on your side too? Yeah. You're frozen here too. Yeah. I'm in deep Am thought. Yeah. You are. It's a good it was a good face to have frozen yeah. for sure. Um that's weird. Hmm. It's a lot of people to manage. It right? is. I mean, we just broke some records this month, thirty five thousand views to the blog, which for us is a lot. You know, that's a we're on pace for a quarter of a million a year now, which is which is fun, right, to have those numbers. And we just broke fifteen thousand downloads in a month. And uh and I get you know, we're building a library, so those numbers should increase as we go. But to me, that matters. And, and um, so to have those kinds of numbers, uh, we mentioned in a show back, it's w- when you do a hobby podcast, you cannot care about your numbers. That's okay. But when it's for business, we care about our numbers. So we check them. Every month, I send a report to the executive team and say, hey, here's, here's where we're at. And, uh, and here's, here's why you need to continue to pay me to still do this. We need to cost justify it. That's I'm going to say when you said cost center, I'm like, oh, that that's two words that make me go. <laughs> I shiver. 
Well, we are a cost center, right? Yeah. We, we, we don't make money. Oh, I don't have a direct revenue I, that I can uh, tie to it. Uh, Rashim asked, Jim, how long you've been podcasting? I think since 2009. So that's the, I think that's when I got started. So I don't know, what, seven years, something like that. Not as much as the, not as the Dave Jackson. But <laughs> we have somebody in the chat room as we're wrapping up here asking, how do I get into iTunes? You, you need an RSS feed that is iTunes compliant. And if you want to get your podcast hosted at Libsyn, use the coupon code SOP free. We will create a uh, an iTunes compliant feed for you. And that coupon will get you a free month. If you're using WordPress, you can use a plugin called PowerPress that will create an RSS feed and that will make you subscribable in um in iTunes as well. Um, or you could go over to school and join the newsletter. And uh, when I open up in a few weeks here, uh, you could join the school of podcasting and I've got step-by-step tutorials to uh, drive you through the whole thing and uh, get you where you need to be. And yada, yada. It's so weird. I'm talking and yet I'm not talking on the screen. It's, it's, I know like, it's kind of, it's kind of creepy. It's left me kind of in a weird spot. Yeah. So, but uh, we are here every Saturday. Um, S. Rasheen. And um, again, at the end of the show, people ask to be. Yeah, it it. cracks me up. We're here for an hour. It's Super Joe Pardo, and- who I will be seeing next weekend at uh, Podcast Minute Atlantic. Go to uh, podcastminutelantic.com slash SOP and save uh, a little bit on your, um, your ticket there. But uh, Super Joe, I will bring you in in a second along with uh, Troy. And uh, we'll get you in. Jim, what's coming up on the uh, theaverageguy.tv? Yeah, we just published a post around the, the um, around a robot mower. So if you uh, want to never finish or never have to mow your lawn again, we have a Husqvarna robotic mower that we just did an interview with somebody who, uh, who uh, did a hands-on review of it. So pretty, pretty fun stuff. Wow, lock up the dog though. That could be dangerous. No, totally, no, totally safe. Okay. It's got all kinds of safety stuff built into it, but... Uh, she had it for two months and uh, just just stopped mowing the lawn. Kind of fun. But expensive, but kind of fun. Gosh. Of course, that's over at TheAverageGuy.tv. Uh, I already mentioned I have Jen Briney from Congressional Dish on this week's show. And uh, it's interesting. you think it'd be so cool if I had 10,000 downloads. And she kind of peels back the curtain and explains some of the things that, you know, uh, you're putting yourself out there and sometimes people poke you. And uh I'll be definitely doing a Dave and jumping into that interview and making some points that I listened to it last night. I was like, ooh, I wish I would have said this or I need to point that out. So, But we are here every Saturday except next week because I'll be at Podcast Minute Atlantic. So we will see you in two weeks. Askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. Thanks for sticking around. We've got more post-show coming in just a bit. 